Good morning, and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Here at Jew in the City, we try to walk a very fine line. We try to show a balance of things in the Orthodox community that will uh, surprise you, things that are unexpected. Our tagline is Orthodox Unexpected After All. Um, but at the same time, if we show unexpected things, then sometimes we hear from people who are less positive about the community and tell us that we shouldn't make it seem like everyone is doing this because this is the exception and not the rule. Um, we try to show the positive while also speaking out against the negative, but sometimes if we speak out against the negative, we hear from people that are angry that we're speaking too much against about negative things and should only focus on the positive. So we're constantly doing a dance here to try to offer um, you know, something that is, I, I hope, realistic. I hope that is nuanced, that has, you know... Uh, kind of different shades to it, but, um, you know, n no matter what we do, it seems like uh, we get complaints in both directions, although sometimes I wonder if maybe having complaints from both sides is really a sign that you're walking that line in the middle, that you're kind of getting everyone angry. Um, but also, thankfully, thank God, a lot of positive, positive feedback as well because of this dance that we do. Um, something that I discovered, uh, you know, while uh, working in this field over the last eight plus years is that there's not just misunderstandings between the non-Orthodox Jews and Orthodox Jews. I've seen so many examples of different Orthodox communities misunderstanding one another. Um, and while I would say I sort of live in the modern Orthodox world, probably the right-wing side of the modern Orthodox world, sometimes I call it centrist orthodoxy because I do, you know, kind of veer towards uh, the right-wing side of it and, you know, towards the center. Um, I have met a lot of people over these last few years working here from different communities. Um, I, I have uh, Chabad in my family, so I've been quite exposed to that, but um, more uh, people in the Yeshivish community, in the Sephardic community, in the Hasidish community, um, and I've actually seen that there's a lot more uh, that connects us and that you know we have in common than what divides us. Um, and I think that a lot of times we see sort of the sort of most extreme examples of each community as the, the factor that defines them. So people more in the right-wing world might see the most modern elements of the modern Orthodox world or people that are kind of least consistent or committed and assume that's modern orthodoxy. And people from the modern Orthodox world, I think, will see parts of the Hasidish and Yeshivish world that are the most extreme and assume that those are the, you know, the elements that define that community. Um, when, in fact, I think there's a lot of people that are trying to live that same balance I just described at the beginning, you know, um, being uh, growth-oriented but also open-minded, you know, being committed to uh, Jewish law but at the same time um, engaging in the world. Now, I have never done a study on the numbers of normal people that are, you know, trying to live that balance as opposed to the extremism that both sides see. Um, but I think it's so um, uh, sort of prevalent, so much so that we don't recognize it. Um, a funny story occurred uh, several months ago. I was sitting in a park on Shabbos talking to a woman in my community <clears throat> who I would say uh, sort of uh, by outward appearances might appear to be more quote-unquote modern than I am. And, you know, what's always interesting I find about talking to people and getting to hear what's on the inside is that she was talking about, you know, she struggles with Tzniyas and she actually, you know, might consider covering her hair or, you know, dressing more Tzniyas. And, you know, we never know what's going on, sort of the inner workings of people. You know, we kind of can make a judgment when we just see them from afar and not know what sort of they're thinking about on the inside. But she mentioned to me that she was on a Pesach program 
and she met with some yeshivish people there, maybe some Hasidish people, and she was explaining to them that the modern Orthodox world is very nuanced and varied, and there's different parts to it in different sections. And, you know, she really wanted to educate them about the world that she comes from. And I stopped her and I said, should I tell you something? The Chabad, the Hasidish, the Sephardic, the uh, Yeshivish, they're all similarly nuanced. And she was shocked. And it's just bizarre because here she wants to teach the lesson about her community. And even someone that knew that we were misunderstood didn't understand that other communities were equally misunderstood. So in keeping with that train of thought, we like to show, we like to feature... Um, unexpected Hasidish Jews a lot here because I think um, out of all the Orthodox Jews that are depicted in the media, they're depicted most often um, because they're the most sort of prominently, um, you know, Orthodox looking, whereas someone uh, who's more modern Orthodox either might just wear, you know, more like regular American style clothes or, you know, kind of just blend in completely. Um, and so I think there's a lot of misunderstandings. And so a few months ago, we filmed a video called Hasidic Jews Watch uh, selected scenes from Fiddler on the Roof for the first time. There's a series on BuzzFeed, very popular videos where Mexicans try Taco Bell for the first time, Italians try Olive Garden for the first time. Fiddler on the Roof had just come back to Broadway. And I grew up thinking that this was a show and a movie about Hasidim, even though it's not. And so I thought it would be hilarious to show this. And it was a little bit hard to find people that were Hasidic enough, yet willing to be in a video. That's a whole other conversation. Um, we only ended up having men in the video. That was all we could get people to agree to, uh, to be in. And of course, we got the complaints. Why are there no women here? Because no women wanted to be in our video. We tried. Um, but while I was talking to one of my contacts about, you know, kind of uh, uh, non-stereotypical Hasidic Jews doing things out of the box, he mentioned that he knows some Hasidic female cyclists, some women that are big into biking. And, you know, there are different ideas about yeah, it's nice, uh, from community to community. Um, you know, riding a bike in a skirt is, is doable, although it's maybe challenging just logistically. It's something that I do not really so often because I'm not such in, so into exercising. Whenever we go away, my husband gets me on a bike and once we reach a hill, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Um, but then there's also sort of, you know, maybe more like social norms or things that are more acceptable. And probably the more to the right that you go, the less common these things are, even if they're not, you know, specifically against Jewish law, just kind of less done. So I love the idea of showing people doing things that are within the scope of halacha, um, but even if they're less expected. And I think it's so important to highlight these things because once we're following halacha, if there's room to be a little bit out of the box or do something different, and it allows someone to feel like they have more space and they have an ability to express themselves more and they have the ability to enjoy the world that Hashem made for us more, even if it's not expected. I think there's nothing bad that could happen like that. I think it only allows more people to have room to feel like they can find their place and their space within orthodoxy. And um, <clears throat> without further ado, I would like to introduce to you our guest today, a Hasidic female cyclist named Chami Bornstein. Chami, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. So, um, if you could tell us like a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, what type of Hasidus you're part of. I only learned that word recently. I used to call it a sect, which I knew was sounded so wrong. And I met a bunch of Hasidic guys like a couple of years ago on a show. I saw something. I was like, "How do you say sect in Jewish speak?" And they said Hasidus. So, what yeah. what type of Hasidus you're part of? Where you grew up? Where you live? Um. So my husband is actually part of the Gara Hasidus. Okay. Um, it's actually quite well known for its more stricter rules. Um, 
and division between men and women. Okay. Um, I grew up, I didn't grow up in America. I grew up in um, Scotland, which is also quite interesting. Wait, Scotland? Um, but, sorry? You said Scotland? Yeah. That's so cool. Okay, keep going. Um, my thoughts. My father is the is the rabbi there. He is actually also gar. He is Swedish, okay. um, but he is a rabbi there. And I guess because of that, I grew up with more of an open lifestyle. Yeah. Um, most of the people I grew up with were either modern Orthodox or a lot of them weren't even Shema Shabbos. Um, and so I I kind of got more of a world view. Um, and then I got married to my husband. He's from Barapak. And so I moved here um, about six years ago now. Um, and, yeah, basically that's my background. Um, so my husband is Gar, um, and my well, right now my kids aren't in Gar school, but my son will be going next year mm-hmm. to Gar. And so, so growing up in Scotland, so you're... And that's just so interesting. How did you? How did your father even get there? There was just a, a community position that needed a rabbi, and so he, he filled it. Is that kind of what happened, or? Um, actually, there used to be a colonel there. Okay. Um, and my father, uh, my parents are both from Manchester. Um, so when they got married, my dad wanted to go to Carl, and at the time, the Glasgow Carl was the you know the one that had the best offer for him. So they moved up there. Um, it's only about four hours from Manchester, so it's not, you know, it's not terribly far. Um, and so they moved there with the idea that they'll go for a couple of years and then they'll move back to Manchester where the family is. Um, and about a year after they moved there, the, the shul that the Koro was based in, um, they needed a chazin. And my, my father was, you know, he could dab in very well and he was kind of a chazin. So they asked him to join the shul and, and be the chazin. And from there... And moved on to being the assistant rabbi, and then the rabbi re- that was retired, and they gave my father the position. I think they've been there now for, I think it's coming up to 28 years. Wow. Um, so they've been involved with the school for 26 or 27 years. And did you ever have a Scottish accent? Because it sounds quite British to me now. Yeah, no, I never really did, because um, I used to go to the college school, so most of the, the people that I was with were either Israeli or English. Um, my dad actually has an American accent because he was born in America, and my mom is English, and all my family's English. So, so, so you went to like um, one of my school. sisters. You went to yeshiva school as opposed to a Hasidic school. Uh, it, it was it was mixed. I mean, there was okay. Lubavitch in there, and I was I, there was about in my class. There was about three kids. We were like three girls in the class. Oh wow! So <laughs> it was not very that, diverse. But yeah, <laughs> it, it was, was very mixed. Up and up very big. Got it. Got it. And so what were you able to do, like different athletic or sporty type of things growing up? Did you want to? Did Was it acceptable? Yeah, I mean, pretty much anything was acceptable. My, I mean, my, my dad always used to say, like, you know, we do what we do in our house because that we do it because we learn what to do. Like, we don't do what the community does. Uh, you know, my, I mean, my parents used to tell us, I was like, oh, that person is Jewish and they were just in shul, but yes, they're driving home. But just because they're doing it doesn't mean that we do it. Got so it. basically anything that my, that was acceptable, you know, if we wanted to ride bikes, that was fine as long as we did it with a skirt. If we wanted to yeah. play ball, that was fine, you know, as long as we were with Tineas at the same time. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, you know, we hear a lot in the media of the, the OTD community, the people, and especially OTD in the Hasidic world, and a lot of crazy things that, you know, people 
um, sharing their stories or, or telling about it. And we have this initiative at you in the city now, Project Makum, for people that were raised, you know, in the most insular parts of the, the from world looking to have a little more space. And in a recent Shabbaton, we did a panel of Hasidim who are happy, who were raised Hasidic and remained Hasidic, raised and remained Hasidic and were happy, and then ones who left it. And what was just so abundantly clear to me, and maybe this was just so obvious that I didn't need a panel to tell me, the people that remained Hasidic and were happy came from homes that were open and accepting that, you know, the parents differentiated between what was halacha and what was hashkafa and gave the kids room to be themselves and to, you know, have some wiggle room within the stuff that wasn't actually halacha. And the ones that were unhappy had crazy, you know, dysfunctional situations. So, um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it definitely just, makes a difference. It makes it. I mean, I mean, I, I see it. I see it coming. From, I came to Bar Park from from Scotland, and there are some people that are just. It's very. It's a very closed community. Very boxed in. I like to say, and I can definitely see why. Why people would feel like they're just stifled. I mean, even me. I sometimes I I feel like I just need to get out just to, to see the outside world because I'm I'm coming from someone that's not Bar Park. It's me. Bar Park was almost like a shell shock, and I couldn't believe that people actually looked like that. Hmm. Um, but there is, I have to tell you, in the six years since I moved here, I have seen uh, it's changed. Bar Park has definitely changed. People are much more open-minded. People are much more, like, they're open. They're, they're kind of accepting more, and that people, like, the young, I guess it's the younger crowds that are just more with it and not so boxed in. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good because I think boxes, while people might think that boxes hold people in, I think boxes actually maybe call, cause people to want to rebel and break out of the boxes. So tell me how you got, so first of all, you like meaning I would be allowed to, you know, be a cyclist or a biker, but like I just have no interest. Like we just bought an elliptical recently that I keep like, keep thinking about going on. Um, but you actually got onto this uh, bike and you, you uh, joined Tour de Simcha, which this is not a, um, you know, a, this is part of High Lifeline. It's a, a fundraiser for High Lifeline. It is not predominantly um, uh, populated by uh, the Hasidic community. So how and why did you begin to, uh, to join this program? Um, well, I actually, I'm not even sure how I found out about it. It was last year... Um, just before Shavuot, I was, um, I think I was on Instagram, or so it popped up on my feed from one of these people who were doing it, or an ad for it, I can't remember exactly what. Um, at the time, I'd been working full-time for about a year, and I have two kids, and I was feeling very, like, I needed some time for myself, I needed to do something that was just for me, that I could that I could space out a little bit, besides from my work and my house. Yeah. Um, and I also needed to exercise, because I sit by that pretty much, nine hours a day. Um, so I saw this, and I was like, hey, that's such fun. You get the bike, and, and you get to go out with people. It's so cool. I want to look more into it. Um, and so I did, and I kind of got hooked. Um, and so I went out and bought a bike, and it was about five and a half weeks before the actual bike ride, and I just went out there, I went to the park, and I just trained every single day for like five weeks, and I did quite well. I didn't do the whole thing, but I did quite well. Mm-hmm. And then I was, once I did that, I was hooked. I'm like, this is something I have to do. And so, um, but um, I did get, it wasn't so popular. When I, my, my husband was very all for it. He, he, as long as I'm happy, he doesn't really mind. Um, there was some resistance, like, no, I wouldn't say that all of my husband's family were for it. Yeah. Um, most of them were, but some of them were a bit unsure about it. They, you know, um, it's the same fear? kind what? of reaction I had. 
what's the fear of, you know, someone in, in their family doing something out of the box like this? I don't think they have a fear of it. I, I think they just don't approve of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the same kind of, when, like, when I started driving also, um, you know, driving in the, the women driving in the Chassidish community, especially in the Gara community, is it's common. There are actually quite a lot of women who do drive over here, but it's not, it's still not like the accepted thing. It's still a bit standing out if you drive. Hmm. Um, and when I learned how to drive, there were quite a few people that we just didn't tell until they found out because hmm. we just didn't want to make any risks. Yeah. Um, and I think I think biking kind of is the same thing, maybe even a bit worse because you know you run, you do run the risk of being engineered, and maybe you know the way I dress on my bike is not something that they would. Um, that people approve of. You know, I wear leggings and I do wear a skirt over my leggings. Um, some people actually pin the skirt to the leggings so it shouldn't blow up. Mm-hmm. I don't, but, so sometimes it does blow up, but my legs are fully covered because I'm yeah. wearing leggings. So right. some people don't really approve of that. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. I think it's basically just a sneers aspect of it that people are worried that you can't be fully sneers while you're biking, right. um, which is totally untrue because, I mean, I go to the park and... Just last night, I was in the park with three other ladies, and we were all sneers when we were biking. Right. So. Uh-huh. And, um, it, and have you gotten positive feedback? Have you heard from other people in the community saying, like, you know, good job, I wish I could do that, but I, I don't feel like I could sort of buck the trend, or, you know, you've inspired me to also become a cyclist? Um, the, definitely, I have a lot of positive feedback. Um um, I have one friend who's like really wants to get on the bike and do it. Um, there's a few people who are like they think it's a great thing that they they might not personally do it themselves either because they just don't want to exercise in that way or because they just don't have the time or something. Um, but there is definitely a lot of positive feedback. And even when when I was when I'm fundraising, I get a lot of good luck. Go for it! It's a great thing that you're doing. Um, there definitely is a lot for all the negative. I would say that's probably double positive. Mm-hmm. Oh, so let's also so talk about like that. So part you're you're cycling to raise money for High Lifeline for this Tour de Simra. So you need to go to your network, your family and friends, and act. So it's not just like you're you know biking on the side and people maybe you're finding out or not. You actually go to them and say, "I am biking now. Will you sponsor me for bike riding?" So yeah, were you able? Yeah, to so that? I pick and choose very carefully. Last year when I started, I picked and choose very carefully about who I would approach and like say, "Oh, I'm biking. Can you please respond to me?" And who I would just, um, you know, people that would just know that I'm I'm biking. And then if you know, there were some people that know I'm biking, but they would never respond to me just because they don't approve of it. So they're like, "Great, you go bike," but they won't sponsor me because. Um, a couple of people, not so many, but I just, I'm very, I, I pick and choose very carefully. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to make any storms. Um, I'm, I'm just not like that. And I'm also not such a good, I, I don't like asking people for things. Yeah. So I generally just, you know, I keep it between me and my friends. I reach out, I, I, I reach out a lot to my father's community because I have friends over there and over there it's, you know, what I'm doing is a great thing and they're all for me and they think it's really incredible so that there's much more support over there so i reach out to where there is support and where i know there is support mm-hmm. um and that way i just kind of keep it i keep it good i keep the, i keep the waters calm i guess and what about are your kids old enough to be aware of what's going on or that it's a little bit atypical or 
Um, yeah, my son is five, and he totally knows, oh, mommy's going biking. He thinks it's great. He tells all his teachers, like, my mommy bikes, and, and like, he, see, he knows all the tourists in the like, If he sees someone else with a jersey or he sees another magnet on the back of a car, he's like, look, there's mommy's bike. Like, he, he's very, he loves it. He's my little supporter. That's amazing. That's beautiful. Um, and what about the other people that you've met through Tour de Simcha, the, the non-Chassidim that are there, that are the majority of the people that, that are biking? Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten from? Well, I'm saying, well, I guess first, if you could tell us what kind of a population is doing this more yeshivish, modern Orthodox, centrist, like what's... what's? It's, it's a big mix. There's a lot of, um, there is a lot of modern Orthodox. There's a lot of um, Sephardim, like from Flatbush, there's a lot of um, Deal and New Jersey people. There's a, quite a lot of Lakewood ladies, so there's a lot of Yeshivish as well. There are a couple of other Hasidish ladies too who, who are doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really big mix. I mean, you stand by the start line and you see you'll have loads of like, you know, people with keyholes underneath their helmets and three quarter sleeves. Some even wear sleeves, like, to cover till their wrists and, and skirts. And then you have wow. the same amount of people wearing shorts and, and short sleeve T-shirts. So at right. the end of the day, everyone is wearing a sort of simple jersey. So, you know, you ride along next to someone. You don't even, it doesn't even matter to you if they're Hasidish or Yeshivish or not from at all. We're all doing something for the same cause and we're all in it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to that, really, like, labels and tags and all that, it just falls away. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. So since I don't really bike ride ever, except for the couple times, you know, that I go away, my husband gets me on a bike and I never ride um, with like a pack of people. Is there time to kind of schmooze with the other participants or are you just kind of all on your bikes and there's no talking because who talks when you're riding? No, you can definitely talk. Um, the, it, the, the main thing that they always tell you by is it's not a race. This is something that we're doing to enjoy. And so we definitely talk. Like, like sometimes, you know, you just want a bit of relaxing. You don't want to ride so fast. You want to take it easy. So you'll just ride slowly. And the scenery is gorgeous. I mean, this is upstate. So it's really beautiful. It's hills and How many miles amazing you? scenery. It's 72 miles. Oh um, last God. year, I only did 50. Of, <laughs> so last year, I only made it to 50. And then I just got a lift to the, to the last mile before the finish line. Um, and hopefully this year I'll be able to do a bit more. I started training a bit earlier, so. Oh, okay. I was just in Israel for Pesach, and, like, every day, the, like, my family were out doing all these tiolim, and we just, like, just kept walking. Like, I was like, are we getting a cab to go back? No, we're just going to walk to the car. So I was, like, walking, like, three to four miles a day, which was killing me. But, wow, 72 miles. So, and, okay, so in any of these schmoozes on this 50-mile trip that you did, have you gotten any feedback from the more modern Orthodox telling you that you surprised them or broke down stereotypes about a Hasidic woman to them? Um, not really. I think some people were surprised to find out that I am Hasidic and, like, wow, I'm actually doing this. But, like I said, that those kind of conversations don't really come into play when we, when you, you just talk about family life and, right. and like, what biking means to you, like, what you had to drop to be able to bike. Um, right. For most of the mothers, it's usually kids and washing, and, you know, yeah. for the singles, it's work and university. And right. we don't, I mean, like I said, because there is no, there's no labels when you're doing tourism. Everyone is just doing it together, and right. it's all for the cause, so... Right. I would say, even if no one has verbalized that, 
I can't imagine that you're not doing that to the you know the women that are meeting you because I actually in the last few years have become very good friends with um, a Gera Hasidish woman as well. Um, Hani Waxler of Buds Events Designs um, mm-hmm. has done our uh, All Star events and has just been in our event committee. Uh, for right. for the last I, know, year. I used to work with Hani. Oh, you know Hani, she's great. So, so she, you know, her husband wears a spudic, and I never even knew what a spudic was. I knew a strimal that was the big fur hat, but then he wears a smaller fur hat. And like, um, really seeing, you know, that she's, uh, you know, of the more left-wing Hasidish or you know, modern Hasidish, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure, like, what label's appropriate, but. Um, s- well, for me, it's so interesting to see that my left-wing yeshivish friends and, you know, my centrist Chabad friends and my modern Hasidish friends and me as a right-wing um, modern Orthodox Jew, we have so much in common. We have such, you know, such a similar worldview and trying to, you know, live a certain balance. And she opened my eyes that so many Ger Hasidim are, you know, going to college. And, you know, um, I met so many of her right. neighbors and they were so open-minded and I was expecting. And it you know, I, I've had very positive interactions with different types and, you know, different communities, but I've also had the interactions where you get the glare or, you know, you get the kind of, you know, you see the negative stories. And yeah, so, I mean, I've had both. I've had the glare and I've had, um, I'm also, I, I'm quite like, I'm a, I'm a lot like Hani. You know, we're more of the, I guess, the modern Hasidus, like you said. Um, people in the community do kind of look at me Especially and you know us at our type, they look at us as like, oh, you're you're more modern. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'm sure that when I'm writing, people look at me like, wow, she's this and she's doing this. Like, it definitely breaks down the stereotype. Um, but I guess it's just not mentioned. Uh, it's not said because it's just not. So I I don't know. I don't think it's something you know. Me personally, like, I wouldn't go over to someone and say like, wow, you're a modern Orthodox and you're Viking. So I guess right, 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 it's exactly. Kind of a, Understanding this. The story that I opened Um, up with talking about the modern Orthodox woman, you know, that um, told me that she was, you know, considering covering her hair, didn't do it, and like that was what was going on in the back of her head. I think um, so too. We don't realize, like, under strimals and like wigs with hats on top, you know, for people that looked like that, what sort of things were going on in their heads as well. Like, meaning, I think we make judgments based on what we see externally um, without kind of knowing the inner workings. Right. That's, that's just, I think that's being human. I think humans always, that's just the way we are. We judge and we, we, we evaluate people by, like, by at face value. Yeah. Um, but definitely, at the end of the day, whatever you are, there's always something you're working on. There's always something you're, you know, you're trying to get better at. You're trying to, to change. You're trying to do something for yourself. Well, that, that's just, like, everyone has their own life that whether it's easy or hard, whatever it is, we, we're all tackling something. Well, I just want to thank you today for coming on and sharing your story. If it's, you know, not 100%, um, you know, public or uh, popular, you just made it even more known. Um, and But it really, you know, taking the time to, you know, share what this perspective looks like and how you make that balance and live that nuanced life, I think will give any of our listeners who are outside the Orthodox community completely or in a different, you know, subset of it, just more of an idea that, you know, there's a lot of similar things that, you know, that we are going through that, you know, people that might look different than us um, are going through as well. Um, And so I I wish you much Hatzlacha in in your 50 to 72 mile bike rides and really in pursuing all of your different dreams that, you know, might not be always so typical, Thank but um, are, are fulfilling and rewarding and, and help you express your unique neshama. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, and you can find us same Thank time, you. same place next week. Bye-bye. Thanks.